0: Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Yeah, hi, this is Mr. Park in San Antonio. Can you please give me your take on ticker symbol L C I
1: D? the lucid group
0: inc and provides unbiased answers
1: all right lucid motors and this is something that i've said for a while is i think the the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers
0: invest talk over 32 million downloads and counting quickly
1: so here are some itunes reviewer questions mpen 47 says wondering about canadian fintech company MoGo, M-O-G-O is the symbol.
0: Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART.
2: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, August 18th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in on the day where we saw some risk off. Uh, new, unfamiliar territory for a lot of people, um, but it does happen. Uh, And so we're going to unpack that a bit. Uh, A lot of it came after uh, the Fed meeting minutes announcement and a discussion about tapering and what that could mean. And uh, I'm going to unpack that uh, a little bit here as we go along. But I'm going to answer your questions first off. And by doing that, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which, as always, is independent thinking and shared success. This is our assurance that no matter what I talk about, strategy, stock, sector, I will be presenting it all without bias and give you the facts as I see them in front of me, as well as using my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do, you get to shape the show to your liking. So you can interact with me live during our live stream program right now at 800, sorry, at 888 chart We live stream every weekday, 4 to 5 Pacific time. But if you're listening after hours, no big deal. You can leave a message on our anytime voice bank. Same number, 888-99-CHART. So let's get to our first listener question now.
0: Hi, this is Daniel from Houston. I'm calling about the stock ticker LOTZ, L-O-T-Z. The name of the company is CarLots. I just wanted your view on uh, the prospects for the business. And if you think it's a good uh, business, what would be a good
2: entry point? Thank you.
1: All right, this is L-O-T-Z. This looks to be a broken SPAC. Uh, this was trading around $10 a share for a long period of time. They announced uh, the acquisition in uh, looks like uh, early part of this year. It spiked up to $12 and change right around the, the warrant strikes typically and has sold off since now down to $3.80 a share. Uh, a lot of insiders just cashing out and wanting to, to liquidate. And what they do is they are engaged in used vehicle consignment and retail business. And you would think that they'd be doing very, very well because of what's happening in the auto market. And you would be wrong. Their earnings in 2020 were negative $1.36. This year, they're expected to lose $0.64 and lose $0.56 a share next year so that's really the issue here is uh the SPAC issued a bunch of shares so they went from 30 million shares outstanding to 114 million which just uh d- diluted shareholders and they're they're losing money so I would not touch this with ten for poll I know you might look at it and say oh it's trading at three dollars and change it's cheap uh-uh any money that's bleeding cash bleeding earnings in a time when they should be crushing it Auto dealers are doing amazing. Let's go take a look at CarMax, for example. I'm not saying you go buy CarMax or anything, but CarMax—they made five dollars and thirty-three cents next year. Supposed to have a bit down this year to four dollars and seventy-two cents, but next year seven dollars and ten cents a share. So they're doing very well. uh, And lots is this is just a broken SPAC, uh, a a, uh, probably a shady deal. I have to look into it a little bit deeper, but company that just doesn't have great operations and is getting annihilated. And so I would absolutely stay far away from LOTZ lots. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline, private capital group, groups soar on the boom in unlisted assets. So we're going to unpack what's happening in the private markets and try to give you some perspective of why cheap money and the current market environment is really fueling these trends. Also, I want to discuss the Fed meeting minute announcement and what they said about tapering going forward in the back half of this year as well into early next year and uh, the market reaction to that, which I thought was interesting as well. I also want to get into natural gas. Natural gas is going up the price. It's in high demand. And so I'm going to unpack that as well. It's a very important part of our energy landscape, especially with fracking and uh, so much supply that we have. We're kind of the Saudi Arabia of natural gas in a way. And so uh, that's very important to understand that commodity in the context of our broad energy picture. And then lastly, buybacks. Buybacks are back, and that supports uh, the markets as well. And we're going to look at whether that is going to be able to continue. So, those things that I want to unpack, but ultimately the most important part is what's on your mind. So, give me a call, 888 chart. You can leave a message, we'll answer it on a future show. You can call in during the live program and ask your question uh, live. You can listen on besttalk.com streaming if you haven't ever, never done that before. That's a great way to catch the show live uh, around the world. So, uh, go check that out. Now, let's check out the market today. We had a decidedly risk-off day. You had the VIX was up $3.66, I guess I guess that's the, if you call it dollars, but 3.66, up to 21.57, up about 15%. So clearly, volatility is rising. It's not making new highs yet, but tomorrow is a new day, and that certainly could happen. Now, if you look at the S&P, that fell 47 points, a little over 1%. Broke the 20 day moving average, looks uh, like we have a desti- destination for the 50 day at about 43. 43- uh 45. I think that's gonna be the first support. That's uh another 55 points lower. I think we're gonna hit that uh sometime uh by the end of the week. So don't be shocked there. You had the Nasdaq, that was down 130 points, a little bit less than one percent, but that has also been weaker over the past few days. So that was uh of, of note. You had the Russell, that was down 18 points, modest down day. Once again, that was also weaker. Right around that 200-day moving average and looks poised to break it here uh, in the coming weeks. And then you look at the NYSE, the broadest index of them all for the most part, uh, down 156 points, a little bit less than 1% as well. That one has just really gone nowhere. The, the, net, the NYSE and equities in, in general have gone nowhere since mid-May basically. So. Uh, We're in the doldrums of the summer, not uncommon for August and September to have a little bit of volatility. And we're ripe for that with the Fed announcing tapering. We have Jackson Hole next week uh, starting, I believe it's on Thursday. And there'll be some, uh, some speeches there that will probably hint at more tapering, what that will look like remember that the Fed's not going to surprise the market. They're going to signal, uh, and that certainly will uh, um, cause some gyrations in the market, some volatility. Uh, So don't be surprised uh, of a a market pullback. But as we know, governments are going to stay in there. They're going to stimulate. They're going to spend. uh, And that's the environment that we're in. You can love or hate that fact, but it's a fact. (laughs) We've seen COVID was the most deflationary force you could really ever see, and we fought that, or the the governments have fought that uh, very well uh, for the most part. And and that's what you're seeing uh, here in markets uh, back half of the year, probably some volatility, but nothing to get too scared about. Now, we're heading into a break, and I'm here on duty, ready ready for your investment and finance questions. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: Summer's moving fast. The Labor Day holiday is already on the horizon, and you can't afford to lose focus. So have your finance and investment questions ready and call Justin Klein now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART.
1: Let's go to David in New Hampshire. He wants to talk about gold. Yes, I'd like to know...
0: um... If you think now is a good time to maybe pick up some more um, shares in Newmont Mining (NEM) and uh, Barrick Gold (GOLD),
1: uh, I yeah, gold. I like uh, both of those names. Now, uh, gold itself has to get a bit of reversal here, but what's interesting is those miners have been pretty weak, uh, but gold is held up. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you, you can't have miners go down too much, too too far, as long as uh, gold's holding up because they're producing a ton of profit right now. Just uh, they are. Uh, their growth of their cash flows and profit are, are just astounding if you look at the the numbers of of those type of names. Uh if I pull up Newmont, let me pull up Newmont real quick. Earnings this year is supposed to be three dollars and forty nine cents. That's up from two sixty six last year and a dollar thirty two the the year before. So it's almost tripled earnings in the past two years and the share price certainly uh has 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 not quite reflected uh that move yet. So uh, you know, it's a less than double. Um, so I think there's still some more upside yields about 4%, which uh, in this environment obviously is is great. And they've been increasing uh, their dividend. Same with uh, Barrick. They made 35 cents in 2018. This year, this year they're supposed to make $1.25. Uh, not quite as good a yield, 1.8%, but still uh, doing very well. So uh, it's really uh, about gold itself. Uh, it, the fact that it was up today. If you look at GLD, up on the day. Not a lot, thirteen cents, but you had a decidedly weak day in the markets. Uh, and if this could break above the 100-day moving average, uh, GLD around 169, uh, 170 is the 200-day. If it gets can clear those over the next uh, few weeks, that's certainly going to uh, change the trajectory of those uh, those miners. So I do think this is a a good buying opportunity, but you're going to have to have gold cooperate. And today was a good sign of that. Now, my focus point today is based on a story behind this headline: private. Private capital groups soar on boom of unlisted shares. Now, this is uh, an interesting trend. And the biggest listed U.S. private capital companies have more than tripled in value since the bottom last year. KKR, for example, has gone from a valuation of $80 billion in March of 2020 to about $252 billion this year. And there's a few reasons for that. Uh, One is they're highly leveraged. So when things go bad, things uh, look pretty dire for them. But when things are good, cash flow is moving around the economy, economy is growing, businesses, uh, their businesses are staying uh, intact, they're going to do very, very well. And so it's really a leveraged bet on the capital markets, and that's why they've, they've done so well. And money remains cheap, so the fact that they can uh, refinance their debt at low rates also helps dramatically and improves their cash flow positions, and they can buy back shares. They can do a lot of things. Uh, a lot of them also manage – they have management fees uh, for large institutions like pension funds insurers, who are looking for higher than average returns. And so they have increased earnings from there as well. And so you have to understand that whenever you're investing in things like KKR, Carlyle Carlyle Group, Blackstone, Apollo, these are the largest U.S. private capital firms uh, in the world. And they have a lot of dry powder to invest. Combine the top five have nearly $450 billion of unused capital available to go out there and deploy. And so that's another reason, this is a shift, a little tangent, but the SPAC world, there's so much money out there from these large uh, institutions, these large private equity firms, that they're going to be able to go out there and buy strategically the best companies in the world. And they have a lot of latitude to do that. Whereas a SPAC, they're focused on a particular sector uh, that their prospectus basically identifies. And that limits their possibilities. Uh, There's uh, a lot of complexities to doing a SPAC deal. And these private equity firms can come in with very clean, easy to deploy money. And that's good for... The private company, the small private company that's uh, looking to be acquired, Uh, and that's good for the private equity firms. And so that's why they're thriving. Just a ton of cash, cheap debt, and when the government's in there to stimulate the economy, to put the money in the hands of people and corporations, and avoid much default out there in the market, they're going to do very well. And so you shouldn't be shocked about it. You should understand it's a product of the time. uh, But also know that these are very volatile names. And they're leveraged bets, uh, really, on the equity markets. Now you're listening to Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And as serious investors, we all try our best to manage our fear and greed. And that's why I'm here, to help you do that, make smart decisions. But give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
0: Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments.
2: Hello, Justin and Steve. Hi, this is Christian calling from Long Beach. Just wanted to thank you guys for the information you provide every day on the podcast. With that being said, I was looking into the People's United Financial, ticker symbol PBCT. I was looking to start a position in my Roth IRA, just wanted to get your take on it. I see it has a nice dividend, and I wanted to see what you guys think. It's a good one. Thank you.
1: All right, looking at PBCT, which is the People's United Financial. This is a regional bank. They operate at a 450 offices throughout Connecticut, Maine, uh, Massachusetts, New G- New York, and Vermont. So uh, the Northeast. And one thing I do like is uh, it's a regional bank. I like the regional banks better than the large ones. And But my issue here is that their business has just kind of languished uh, over this time period between 2018 and today. 2018, they made dollar thirty-one. Dollar thirty nine in two thousand nineteen, dollar twenty seven last year, which you can kind of write off, but only a dollar forty expected this year, dollar thirty next year. Very low growth company, yields four point six percent, so that's certainly a positive. But I don't honestly love the the region that it's in. Uh, this is an expensive region. Uh, it's a region that people are um, moving out of in in a lot of senses. I like areas that are more your your gateway cities, uh, that have much cheaper housing and that people are going to probably consistently move to, and they'll be able to garner more uh, more business and more more assets, more loans, uh, just more activity. And if you look at their payout ratio, it's now at a hundred percent. They're paying out. 100% of their earnings as dividends, and that's a problem. That's a big problem. And they're issuing more shares. They had 298 million shares outstanding in 2014. Right now, they have 422 million. Okay, so that's up uh, 40% since then. And I just don't, I don't like that. I don't like that increase in the number of shares outstanding. And they're probably doing that in order to pay that dividend. So I don't think that dividend uh, has much room to the upside. I don't like the growth in the region. Uh, so I'm going to pass on PBCT because while I like the regional banks, I definitely don't like this particular area of the country for growth. Uh, and you see that reflected in the earnings uh, overall. So I'm passing on this company. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. So here are some iTunes reviewer questions. Mpen47 says, wondering about Canadian fintech company Mogo. M O G O is the symbol. Seems like a good company. Revenues look good. Is this a good long-term hold? Well, revenues are, are were, were are increasing the last quarter, but they've been dec- actually in decline uh, even before COVID. So that's a worry. Earnings are expected to be losing $0.45 cents this year and $0.35 cents next year. Lost $0.18 cents last year. So uh, earn, uh, earnings are getting worse. And I'm just not a fan of it. Uh, I'm going to pass on Mogo. The chart looks terrible as well. So M-O-G-O, I am a, definitely a no. All right. Also, question from Eric says, questions about Roche, ro dot S-W. What are your thoughts on the company, biotech sector? Currently uh, it being international, stock has rallied after earnings and continues. I have a rather large position, but I'm very much diversified in other equities. Do you think it will continue, and at what price would you take profits? Let me take a look at this one. ro dot S-W. These foreign ones, you always have to take some minute to... Kind of. Let me just look up Roche. There we go. Yeah, I'm not sure of what symbol you're looking at. Um, hmm. I'm gonna go with R H H B Y. There's there's definitely different uh, listed shares here. Um, Good company, 355 billion market cap. Let me take a look at the chart here. right. There we go. Yep. So it's it has broken out above support around forty six. Now we're at fifty spot forty seven. Uh, I don't I don't see any resistance really to the upside. So it could certainly run. i really have to dig into uh, the earnings here. Uh, but long term return equity forty uh, percent. Very profitable company. Solid dividend. I think this is a good way to gain exposure to uh, the foreign markets, uh, especially. This is, uh, I believe, a Swiss company. I like the, the Swiss, and, and they run their companies very well. Uh, not a huge dividend, but the dividend it looks like it's growing. And so that's even more important than the current dividend yield. The fact that they're being able to raise that dividend consistently over the last decade plus. And so uh, I'm going to give Roche a thumbs up. And lastly, on the next and best Talk, the story behind this headline car buyers beware the rule of 78 as opposed to a flat rate loan a loan that utilizes the rule 78 will cause you to have a higher outstanding principal and thus a larger amount still due. for now i'm justin klein i'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART Um, I wanted to see if
0: you thought that that was a safer place to the money for long-term.
2: Good advice. Stick to a well-thought-out plan for carefully divvying up your money so no single calamity will destroy your portfolio. Want to talk about it? 888-99-CHART is how to get through right now.
1: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw The Potential? Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com, that's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com, HackerOne.com. The markets react to
0: uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest talk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin, my name's TJ. Uh, calling in with a question about getting into Spotify, S-P-O-T. It looks like it's pulling back here from its all-time high of about $315 all the way down to $211. I know there's a lot of potential headwinds with artists and uh, regulators, but just wondering how you see this
1: performing in the future and if it might be a good time to get in. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Looking at Spotify, and I will say I'm a giant user of Spotify. I think their music al- algorithms are amazing. Uh, it Absolutely, from a UI uh, user experience standpoint, blows Apple Music out of the water. It's really not even close. I've used both. Um, But the problem is, is that Spotify is a singular type of company. It's focused on music streaming and now podcasting and Apple, they own the platform. Google owns their own platform. And I think that's the biggest challenge for Spotify is that they don't own their own platform, their own users. Uh, So that's really the biggest issue. And so they're at the kind of the whims of uh, the platforms that have to run uh, the Spotify application. So while i I love the the service and, and the product, uh, their business, especially at these valuations, are a bit tough. you know trailing twelve months they did two hundred and fifty two million in free cash flow uh, they're issuing more shares, not at a dramatic pace, but definitely increasing, and they have not been not been able to show that they've been able to be consistently profitable. Lost $3.79 last year, expected to lose a 98 cents this year, expected to be profitable by only two cents next year. And it's a $205 stock, a $39 billion market cap. Uh, their revenue continues to, to go up uh, and, and podcasting is certainly a revenue driver for them. And, and we love podcasting and, uh, they've actually approached us to, to jump on their platform exclusively. And we haven't done that. Um, but they have uh, they have talked to us. But um, we like Spotify. Once again, I love the product. But the issue is here, the valuation. Still 39000000000 billion. They're barely making any positive free cash flow. Uh, uh, and from an accounting perspective, they're losing money. Uh, and it, the stock's in a downtrend. Like you said, it's 52-week high was $387. Now it's at 205, down 47%. To me, this is easily going to make a round trip back to about 160 that's the area where it broke out in middle of last year, and I think it's going to make that round trip. So I wouldn't think about it until you get to that 160 level. That's another 20% down from here. You're starting to get closer to that $30 billion valuation. Uh, I don't think this is really a great price to be honest until 20 billion so it needs to be right around a hundred dollars a share that's when i think it would be interesting at at 140 or sorry 160 from a technical perspective There's support there but i still don't think that's a great valuation so a good company company i have my watches because once again i love the product and i think they have great staying power but it needs to be the right valuation and that valuation frankly is much much lower all right Thanks for the call. Great question. Now, let's touch on the Fed minutes that were released today from their end-of-July Fed meeting. And what they discussed were was tapering. And the market's been kind of preparing for this, and this was the first time that they have spoke explicitly about tapering and what that might look like. And most participants said that the, economies, the economy were to evolve, if the economy were to evolve as they anticipated, it would be smart to start reducing the, the pace of asset purchases this year. Now, others said maybe wait until next year, so it's a little bit split on the timing of that, but almost all of them said we're close to the requirements for some sort of tapering. Now, their inflation gauge on a 12 month basis hit a 30 year high when they're looking at core inflation, excluding food and energy. So it hit 3.5% in June. And they also note that the risks of higher than expected inflation exceeded those of a lower than expected inflation. That's kind of a big shift. They've been persistently fighting below average inflation or below target inflation for a decade plus. And now they're saying, yeah, those odds of dropping below two are lower than it continuing higher. And this is a stark difference from where we were in December, when they said that they need to see substantial further progress towards meeting the Fed's goals of inflation that averages 2% over time and labor market conditions consistent with full employment. Well, the inflation objective has basically been hit. But a lot of officials want to see continued progress in the labor market. That's even though we added nearly a million jobs in July. So we have a couple of more months for this to potentially continue. And then I think they'll feel uh, a lot more apt to, to cut bond purchases. Now, the Fed's next meeting will be September 21st and 22nd. So you get the announcement on the 22nd. And... That's maybe when they might announce it and the details. But leading up to that, they're going to hint at it. The first is a Kansas City Fed annual economic symposium next week, along with Jackson Hole meeting at the end of the week where they bring a lot of the the central bankers around the world together. And it's really a universal view of the Fed. They're marching towards having that discussion, making those plans. They're not urgent, but they want to get it right they they urgently want to get it right now if you look back in history 2014 they did a QE taper where they shrank the amount over the course of 10 months and they'll probably do something similar maybe it's a full year maybe it's 8 months maybe it is 10 months again uh, but right now they're purchasing 120 billion 80 billion of mortgage of treasuries 40 billion of mortgage backed securities there's been arguments or discussion on should they do it equally right cut $5 billion from each, uh, maybe $10 billion from one, and $5 billion from the other, kind of doing it proportionally? Or do you weigh heavily on mortgage-backed securities because the housing market's so hot, maybe uh, allowing the, the mortgage market to rise a little bit less support there? Uh, there's talking about uh, doing something like that. But that's the big question, and that's what they will be hinting at, and it will be clear by the we- time we get to that end of September meeting, what they'll do. So it's probably not going to be a surprise. And that's kind of what I expect. I think this is your period now over the next, call it five weeks, where you'll see volatility, uh, expectations of, oh, they're tapering and fear, and blah, blah, blah. And it'll probably be a by the rumor or sell the rumor, buy the news type of event. And I think that may uh, indicate a market bottom, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, That's kind of how I'm looking at it here for the balance of the quarter. Uh, So be on the lookout for that. Let's get back to the Talk Voice Bank for a question from Texas.
0: Yeah, hi, this is Mr. Park in San
2: Antonio. Can you please give me your take on ticker symbol L-C-I-D, the Lucid Group Inc maker of uh, electric vehicles, competing with Tesla, thinking about jumping into the game. Please advise. Thanks so much.
1: All right, Lucid Motors. And this is something that I've said for a while, is I think the the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. uh, Because it's a competitive market. Whether it's powered by batteries or internal combustion engines, the car market is very competitive. Historically, if you go look at GM, Ford, Porsche, uh, all of them, they tend to have pretty low profit margins. Porsche is actually usually the best. Um, but in general, it's just very competitive, easy switching costs. You look at uh, what creates a, a strong business, strong profitability. Very few of those features exist in the automobile market. High fixed costs, high marketing costs, uh, potential high regulation, um, high competitiveness, the of unions. It's just, there's so much that fights against the profitability of the automobile market. And, that's why I'm not a fan of this. Technically, it looks weak. Uh, earnings, uh, they lost money in 2020. It's still expected next year. They don't really have any revenue. It's a story stock. You're, you're, you're want to buy story stocks? This isn't the market to buy story stocks. It's the market to buy companies that make money, companies that have cash flow, companies that have good balance sheets, not companies that just have this cool story. So I'm sorry. I would. This is actually a great short, to be honest with you. So I'm absolutely passing on Lucid. I'd be shorting the stock, not buying it. Now, as you know, Steve and I love live calls and voice bank questions, but we're also paying attention to questions that are posted with iTunes reviews and podcast ratings. So let's answer another iTunes re- review question now. This is from MZ Low. I have about half a position on AWK. I want to get your thoughts on this stock. If it would be good for a long-term investment, what would be a fair entry point to add more? So AWK... Is American Waterworks. This is a water utility company. 15 million customers in 46 states and one Canadian province. So broadly diversified. And utility sector has been doing well. This is a pretty profitable water utility company. There aren't a lot of them out there. 32 billion dollars. Served 3.5 million customers. It's a lot. Let me take a look here. Water, wastewater, yeah. Uh, Military bases. Let's look at the profitability. The return on equity historically is right in the high single digits, about 10% range. Now we're up to 11.5%, trailing 12 months. I like that, especially for utility. Utilities typically have pretty low profitability. Um, So I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. I like American Waterworks. Always been on a watch list. I haven't bought it in a long, long time, but uh, purchase price right around the 165 range. That's where I would be looking to pick it up. Right now, around 180. So a modest pullback there. That's when I would be picking up AWK American Waterworks. Now, summer is winding down here. We're almost into the final month of the third quarter. Fourth quarter is just around the corner. So we're starting to see a little bit of volatility. And that means you need to be prepared to handle these circumstances. And that's why it's important to know that if you need help, we are here. We're here to help you. If you want to do a free portfolio review assessment, you can do that via telephone or go to meetings. You just have to reach out to us on Invest at investtalk.com or give our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California, a call at 800-557-5461. We want to help you. And we can go over what uh, what your situation is, what your goals are, what your concerns are, and help guide you in the right direction. And a reminder that here in Talk and in our company, KPP, we operate the same philosophy, independent thinking and shared success. So it means we provide unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So if you need help, no obligation. Give us a call. We want to help you. Next up, a call or question that came in earlier from the Invest Talk listener in Iowa. Next in 30 seconds.
2: Our Invest Talk mission. Is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com.
0: Hi, Steve and Justin. My name is Steve in Iowa. I'm calling about ABEV, Alpha Bravo Ecto Victor. Uh, got in at about three and a quarter. It's currently sitting around 3.08. i was just kind of curious on your thoughts for the long-term prospects. It still looks like a winner to me, so just wanted to see what you thought. I appreciate it. Thanks.
1: Bye. All right, looking at Ambev, and this is one of the largest brewers in the world, but it's Brazilian, and therefore, you are going to be at the whims of the Brazilian real and that currency. So if it's depreciating, well, uh, the value of Ambev is likely going to depreciate as well. And that's really the biggest issue here. The biggest risk is uh, that political risk, that currency risk that you'll have to deal with. And you look at the dividends that also tends to go up and down uh, based on the Brazilian real as well. So Understand that. That's what you're you're dealing with here, and that's why you're going to have to deal with a lot of volatility. Now, historically, they're a very profitable company. Return on equity, uh, on average, the last decade in the mid-20% range, ranges from a low of 16% back in 2017, and a high of 38% in 2012, and everywhere in between. So their business prospects are, are going to be up and down, The number of shares outstanding has uh, flatlined, which is good, so they're no longer just diluting shareholders. That's a positive. And they have a pretty sticky business. They are the largest brewer in Latin America, the fourth largest brewer in the world. And it produces, distributes, and sells beer as well as Pepsi Cola products in Brazil and other Latin American countries. It owns a brewer in Argentina, for example. And let's see, what else? Yeah, it has it combined with Canadian brewer Labatt uh, back in 2004. So it has a a bit of exposure there. So interesting. Yeah, um, I actually like this company, but you need to deal with that volatility. It was nearly $4 just back in June. Now we're at three, so down 25% in two months. It's in support. So, I like that. Um, so, if you're looking for international exposure, this is a, a pretty solid name uh, in that sense. So, I'm going to give Ambev a thumbs up, but you have to be prepared for the volatility. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So, if you're going to call, you want to do it right now at 888 99 chart.
0: The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So, how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief risk-alize quiz. Hi, this
2: is Christina from Texas. I'm looking at two finance stocks for purchase. BX Blackstone versus KKR. I wanted to know which one would be better for a long-term hold. I really appreciate it, and I love the show. Thanks.
1: All right. Well, the first thing I would say is you're. we talked about this earlier uh, in private equity, and that's what you're really looking at here. And I would say – you're, you're chasing returns right now. Uh, they've b- both gone up dramatically, and I think you are starting to see a pullback in both of these names. So I would be uh, pretty patient. I think there's a lot of potential downside in the, the short to medium term. Uh, but as long as asset prices, stay relatively elevated, the Fed and and, and governments come in fiscal, which I do expect, uh, these type of companies will, will benefit, especially with interest rates remaining low, their cost of uh, financing will also remain very low. Uh, so the big question is, which companies are better run or which company is better run? And if you look at them longer term, so let me just pull these up real quick. Blackstone itself, return equity over the last decade has hovered kind of in the mid to, to high teens on average. 2011 was pretty poor. Their best year was really 20, 12 months right now. Uh, 2019, they had 30%. Uh, and you look at KKR, a return equity was, is, is a lot more volatile, um, but a bit higher on average. Um, so uh, I, I like that KKR uh, part a little bit better. Free cash flow, it looks to be better on Blackstone. So a little bit longer term, you get the edge to KKR. But near term, Blackstone actually looks better. It's all. It also has better relative strength. If I'm looking at that, the relative strength on Blackstone is 95, whereas KKR is 91. And so I'm going to give the edge to Blackstone because of that relative strength, because of that near term, uh, very, very strong performance in, in earnings. And so that's the way I would look at it, but I'd be patient on both of them. Now let's close this with natural gas. Now this is now our main power generating fuel in the country and demand continues to ramp up. Natural gas futures have gained 37% since April and are more than twice the price of where they were a year ago. Now in the past, The natural gas producers have flooded the market, especially in the Appalachian producers, the Appalachian region that drives most of the supply of natural gas. But now, most of those producers are sticking with plans to keep output flat. They want to accumulate cash and really extract these higher natural gas prices with these strong profits. And they're now in a bit of an uncomfortable situation, potentially entering the winter season with low, the lowest level in storage since 2018. No, that isn't long ago, but for many years, the natural gas market was oversupplied, and they were very, very low. Uh, and as long as you don't see oil prices break out, you're likely to see the supply of natural gas remain relatively weak. Remember, if oil prices go up, that means there's probably going to be more drilling. And natural gas is a byproduct of that drilling. So the fact that oil hasn't broken out, that's certainly helping the natural gas market as a whole. Also, the shift towards green energy, towards More demand for electric cars, meaning more demand for electricity. And when the majority of that electricity is produced with natural gas, that means the demand for natural gas typically goes up. More demand for exports means more manufacturing, more demand for electricity. Foreign demand is also going up in areas uh, like Asia, China, Japan, uh, and also Europe as well. And so the Supply outside the country is increasing. Sorry, the, the demand outside the country is increasing, meaning more U.S. natural gas is going there. And pipeline exports to Mexico, for example, set records in June. So natural gas to me is the best medium-term play in the energy space, as long as oil prices don't break out dramatically, which they certainly could, but I'm on watch for that. But as long as we kind of stay here, natural gas prices or natural gas producers are going to be Strong bets. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find over at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And we just surpassed 34 million downloads. So we appreciate all of you, and be sure to rate and review us over on iTunes. And if you want to leave a brief question with your rating, we will prioritize your answer. You can browse by topic as well if you ever want to look up old shows over at InvestTalk.com, whether it's precious metals or growth stocks or health savings accounts, whatever is on your mind, we probably have an episode title for you or a friend of yours. Independent thinking, shared success. This is InvestTalk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue
2: inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor.